Hey everybody, this is Seth. And this is Julia. And this is Running Out of Movies. Um, tonight we're going to be talking about Cirque de Freak. Careful. I, <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't name it. Cirque de Freak. The Vampire's Assistant. In the French title, it's Tour de Freak. Which they didn't change the one word I would have changed. <laughs> But uh, for, before we get into the movie, I want to touch on how long have we been living in Austin now? Uh, it has been six weeks. Six weeks in Austin. Two lizards have jumped on me. <laughs> so I've, I can only confirm one of those happenings. So the first one, and you were there for the lizard that didn't know what it was doing. The first lizard, <laughs> I went out to take the compost out, and it did like a parkour move off the top of my head. <laughs> where like I, quick side note already. When a lizard jumps on you, <laughs> you first it, you, your first thought is that it's like a big rain splat or that a bird has pooped on you because their little bellies are so soft. <laughs> so that's gross. Yeah, I think that's the worst of it. I was just imagining like a little, like if like a tarantula jumped on yeah. you, you'd be like, oh, that's unpleasant. And I'm a like, short... Imagining like kind of the wet slap of it. Yeah, I'm a short story writer so by trade, so I only share a sensory detail if I knew it'll ruin your day. Uh... <laughs> So the wet little bellies. Yeah, so I turn around as soon as I figure out what happened, and then this lizard had already kind of like tucked its arms back and was just like flying off, like for maximum velocity. And I was like, that lizard's phenomenal. <laughs> the second lizard jumped on me and just hung out on my shoulder. Yeah, which we and was like, I don't know what to do. And I was just like, you're driving, you know, like this is your situation. But yeah, so you thought like a wasp had gone on me or something, right? Yeah. So that's apparently. Um... The the big uh, wildlife here so far has been wasps and lizards. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, yeah, I just saw, like, a big thing land on you. It, like, they're so fast. It's, like, as if some... Like, I thought it was, like, a flying bug had landed on you, so mm -hmm. I assumed it was a wasp. And I was just like, oh, God, don't move or else we'll all get stung. Yeah. And then, like, as soon as you, you just, like, turn slightly, and I could see that it was just, like, hanging out on your shoulder there... And then it was gone. Mm -hmm. So yeah. fast. So yeah, in New York, it's just like the wildlife is like, it's like a rat that will try to sell you something it found. And like, <laughs> every once in a while, it'll be something good. It's like, a business yeah. relationship. But so far, two lizards, I'm not crazy about it. Um, <laughs> anyway, but yes. I was just in, in the other room uh, with the light on, and it's, we're recording this at night, so it's all dark out, and I had the light on, and there was just like a cicada hurling itself against the glass sliding glass door just like every five seconds it was terrifying yeah i didn't really prepare myself for joining a new biome <laughs> it's it's a lot the the everything here seems to be playing for keeps i'm in um, it for the succulents yeah and the cacti yeah I'm, and i'm from the midwest where it's like it's only squirrels and sometimes they split the rent with you uh, whereas here it seems much more antagonistic uh but yeah but no, so that's, those are my Austin notes. So we're still living in Texas. Yes, yeah, still living in Texas. It's good. So uh, it's been a while. We've been adjusting to the new location. So we watched Cirque de Freak, The Vampire's <laughs> Assistant. Yeah, I think we can just call it The Vampire's Assistant. You'll notice on the movie poster for this title, Cirque de Freak is very, very, very small. And then The Vampire's Assistant is so big that you think it's the only thing in the title. Yeah, it's kind of like, I think Cirque de Freak is because that was the name of the first book that this was based on. So that was like, they the had branding. to do that to make sure that they got the people who bought this book to go see it. But like, we're clearly not psyched because it's not a great <laughs> title. No. Uh, spoiler alert, not a great movie either. <laughs> <laughs> this is, I was, I tipped my hand a little bit like, 
it is not a great movie. I will sign off on that. But like, I kind of loved it. Though. I kind of, like I kind of have for all the shit I've talked about great movies on this podcast. Yeah. Like I kind I mean, of liked it. I would certainly watch another three movies of it. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it was. Here's my thing. Here's my pitch for why I think this movie is worth existing. <laughs> it a kind of reminded me of Roald Dahl in that it is children's. It's like a YA movie that is hairpin turns it is way too morbid way too violent and way too silly way too silly way too funny and like um way too absurd and like just all at once sometimes in the same scenes and i was trying to distill why that worked for me i think one moving part is like i mean i have only had glance encounters with properties like twilight and the hunger games but like i think my problem with those is even though they're probably more accomplished in this movie and they're probably stuck closer to story um I feel like those properties created worlds that treats being a teenager as seriously as being a teenager <laughs> feels when you are a teenager. Whereas this, um, or as, as seriously as you want being a teenager to be when you are a teenager. Yeah. Whereas this movie was like made look being a teenager look as random and dumb as you <laughs> secretly know it is the entire time that you are a teenager. We're just like... It kind of worked for me in that, like, this is so absurd and so silly, and it's like, I also, I mean, and maybe it's my thing too, it's like, I love things that go for humor, no matter what, so, and John C. Riley's in it. We should, just as some quick background information. Yes. This is the movie version of a series of novels. Yes. That are, there's like 13 of them. There are, um, two friends, one, uh, one of them has always wanted to be a vampire, and that's never really explained. One of them... <laughs> Has, has always loved spiders, which yes. is never really explained. Which he says, he even says it in narration that he's always, always loved spiders. Then he goes to this magic show where a vampire does like a flute dance with a spider. And the way he looks at this spider on stage is like, <laughs> I'm immediately like, this kid has a problem. Like, this is not okay. Like, yeah. uh, He's going to do something bad to that spider. <laughs> yeah, I was so identifying with the spider and not okay with how he was looking at it. Um, but anyway, so that gets him entangled into this world where his, there's, um, good vampires that don't kill people. There are bad vampires that do kill people. Which those vampires are called vampanese. I hate it. Why? Why, uh... And it's explained later in the movie that they aren't a different kind of vampire. They're same, they're just exactly the same vampires, but they just kill people when they mm -hmm. drink their blood. And our, our hero vampires don't. Which is like, well, that's not a different name yeah you just made it sound you made it sound like they're a group that's not caucasian is all you've done <laughs> yeah. to me you know it's it's just a very weird choice it's very like just a subtle othering yeah that's exact. that's a great word for it it's a sort of like i don't think the writers involved were doing anything deliberately hateful but they were trying to say these are not the us people and they yeah. grabbed for a suffix that was just like the this is an other pay attention to that stuff because that's not okay. Yeah, because it's there. Yeah. I wish I hadn't started this, ep this episode by saying that I really like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to the good part. But, uh, but no, that it was a really interesting choice and a great case study of sort of like, why did that have that value in this story? And yeah. Clearly that's the reason. It, it, that said other to, yeah. to the writer. And, like, we need these people to sound more sinister. Yes. Um, and in the, the very beginning we get like a super quick setup of just our main character is like a good high school boy and he has a best friend who is a bad boy yeah he's just for whatever you know he's just he's a bad kid and they they look 
absolutely what's hard is like visually they look absolutely <laughs> equivalent the entire time we're sort of which is the bad one it's sort of like they could have like been they could have just like um at the end of i always try to call this a seashell game what is it actually shell game shell game <laughs> They're gonna shell get these two kids inside. Keep your eye on the bad kid. Keep your eye on the bad kid. But like, uh, they just You're look. You're just the trying same. to make it sound more fanciful. I do. I like seashells. Uh, why not? <laughs> That's, as a, I'm gonna start a petition to WhiteHouse.gov make it seashell game. Um, so yeah. So we get the the kids are bad. That doesn't really go anywhere except for they both go to this freak show and. Um, well, yeah. Just the just the one kid is bad. Our our hero is good. Uh, inherently, and the, mm. and his friend is bad inherently, um, which uh, sort of just describes their arc throughout the the mm. movie. Um, and they, for whatever random reason, go to this circus because you know yeah. how you know how high schoolers love going to circuses. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's very YA in that it's like the um, the the whole of them getting roped in this world is just goofy. And for me, it was like uh, the the just the the deep bench of character actors they had in this that movie was where it was what like won us over to it is like we had John C. Riley, Willem Dafoe, there was Selma Hayek, Selma Hayek, uh, Kristen Schaal, um, Orlando Bloom, no, <laughs> Orlando Jones, Orlando Jones, no. oh Orlando Bloom wishes he was Orlando Jones. <laughs> Uh, uh, it's I, I like that I just keep the Orlandos clearly in the same folder in my brain. Uh, the two Orlandos I love. Um, so, uh, who else was in there? Lots of good character actors. Yeah, there were so many just... And oh, uh, what's her name? Jane Krakowski. Jane Krakowski was in it. Yeah, so it's like... and I think Really minor role. But yeah, but I think also, like, the amount... I usually get a good feeling in a movie like this when I see that they've hired a bunch of comedic actors. Yeah. So it's like, okay, so they know what they're doing. This is going to be pretty... I figure if all of those actors agreed to sign up for this like there yeah. must be something interesting to it it also made me realize john c Riley is our gene hackman he is like he's in good movies he's in bad movies he's like pizza he like he he just makes everything better no matter what like he's a comforting presence yeah and so he's great he's having fun um so oh, yeah like, so they so they when they go to this uh just i mean super quickly do this but uh they go to the circus and for some unknown reason, um, the two kids decide to, uh, they, they recognize that one of the performers in this freak show um, is a vampire. And so they break into his room and, and like mess with his stuff, which mm -hmm. is like the one thing you would not want to do to a vampire is that. Um, yeah, Steve the bad kid is like, I recognize John C. Riley from one of my vampire books. And there's so right. like a smash cut to him looking at a vampire book and there's just like an illustration of John C. Riley. And John he's C. Like holding up a decapitated yeah. head. And John, John C. Riley walks up to the kid and he's just sort of like, if I thought that someone knew that I was a vampire, I would murder them. Yeah, like very directly threatening. Yeah. And it's like maybe look into the publisher of that book that has like a trying of you being a vampire. Um, and so then our main guy, our quote good kid, goes to steal this spider that he is... Um, Sexually harassing at this point. Uh, <laughs> so good. He breaks into John C. Riley's dressing room, steals this spider that looks like fruit striped gum. Um, if you have a memory of that. Like, uh, which loses flavor immediately before you get too nostalgic for fruit striped gum. Um, they thought we wouldn't remember because we were kids, but fruit striped gum, I'm coming for you. You lost flavor immediately. All the gums lose flavor immediately. Fruit striped gum is a matter of seconds. I'll order you fruit striped gum. It loses flavor too quickly. So the spider looks like fruit striped gum. Yeah. And, and, uh, and then the bad kid also breaks into the 
to the vampire's dressing room because it's like, hey, why not? You know, when you you meet a weird vampire stranger, you're just like all up in his face. Yeah, and he he tells them kind of something that I would keep to myself. He's like, I've always wanted to be a vampire. And they test his blood. Which I didn't understand that. Yeah, they test his blood and they said that he doesn't doesn't have good enough blood. Which also, he's got bad blood yeah because he's bad our, our main character has good blood it's like yikes yeah so it's like Guys. i'm just like these vampires are trying to get sued uh you and, hear yourself yeah. say these things right also the um john there's actually a, a pretty i oh, like willem dafoe willem dafoe Did yeah I mentioned, him yeah well he's just he's got like a pen a painted on pencil mustache it's great <laughs> it's so good and john c Reilly's act is he dances with the spider and kind of what feels like a very rolled doll crazy intense surreal moment where like the spider is like dangling from a web from the tip of his flute and then there he's he he's starts, like using it like a yo-yo for a while yeah and he's like trying to stomp on it but then it turns into a dance and it was like this really surreal where i was kind of like getting into how goofy this movie was where uh, I, I really liked it but yeah so when the kid first before all this happens um sneaks into this room uh, to the john c Riley's dressing room he picks up the flute and starts playing it for the spider and the spider starts dancing. And uh, this you is, know, like you do when you're yeah. trying to be sneaky. <laughs> also, just another COVID reaction, like picking up this guy's flute and playing it. I was just like, yuck. <laughs> like maybe they didn't even do the thing where you like the, the like you wipe it off in your shirt. Yeah, the 1930s thing where you rub it on your elbow. Like <laughs> you know? so. So anyway, so these kids get wrapped up in this world where it the the way it shakes out is um, the Steve, the bad kid, is disenfranchised from the good vampires who don't kill people. Yeah, very. But, uh, but our good kid is somehow. Uh, they're just like, sure, you come, you be a vampire. So no, he's well, with what, the good vampire. What happens is he steals that spider. He takes it to oh, school. Oh, that's I already forgot about that yeah. whole thing. So the way he gets rubbed in is the spider, which it's also told that this this fruit striped gum spider will one bite will kill you. So so naturally he steals it and brings it to school. Yeah, and then like yeah. lets it out accidentally. So uh, yeah, so this awful douchey privileged kid brings this dangerous animal to school because he gets to do whatever he wants. It bites Steve. Um, Who's his best friend and the bad one? Yeah, there's a great thing too where it's um, Steve is just chasing the spider around trying to kill it as soon as it gets loose, and then um, I think the movie's trying to like manufacture tension between them too early, where it's like the spider the kid who's horny for spiders is trying to save the spider that's the good kid yeah the good kid who's just absolutely horned up for spiders as long <laughs> as the day is uh horny for spiders and so um and steve just turns him he's trying to kill the spider with a broom and and the um this hornball spider kid uh just stops him and steve just turns to him looking genuinely hurt and he goes who are you rooting for me or this random spider. And it's clear that it's the spider. The spider. So Steve gets bit. So um, so Steve's in the hospital near death, and uh, the good kid goes to uh, the vampire, who is John C. Riley, mm-hmm. and they make a trade where it's like, if he becomes a half-vampire, then John C. Riley will give him the antidote to save his friend's life. Yes. And so the John C. Riley just, like, uh, decides the kind of, like, in the... Um, I don't know, you're not much of a Seinfeld fan. I mean, I've seen episodes. But uh, the show within the show, they pitch a show that, like, someone gets in a car accident and has to be someone else's butler to pay off the debt. I don't think I know that one. But that just reminded me of that, where he just, like, that's basically the plot of the Vampire (laughs) Sexton, where they're just like, well, you'll be my butler. And, like, yeah, you'll you'll run errands for me. So he makes the kid a half vampire. Which also is, like, again, just like you're in. A strange room with an older man who's telling you that he's going to do something 
permanently weird to you that's going to mess you up. <laughs> yeah, maybe as it's an like, age draw, yeah. Usually that doesn't turn into like a charming anecdote where you and him are like best buddies. Yeah. <laughs> so I th- yeah. Like, our main character should have been much more worried during all of this. Maybe ask more questions. There should be like a high school edit for this movie where like an adult blows a whistle and is just like, here's what should have happened. <laughs> like, yeah. If this happens to you, back away. Get so, out of the room. John C. Riley says, like, I'm, of course, for you to be my assistant, going to have to make you a half vampire. And he's like, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So this is another thing that happens in this movie where I'm not necessarily... It's, like, weird, and I don't know... Um, it was weird in a way that was not necessarily adding anything, but they have... And to be fair, I don't know enough about vamp... Like, like... I, you, don't about, you don't know enough about vampires? Yeah, I don't know enough. Well, like pre-internet, I'm pretty sure I know everything there is to know about vampires. Post the internet where everyone's on Reddit and like deviant art, like drawing Batman having sex with vampires, I have no clue what's going on with the vampire <laughs> mythology. So it's like, they have adapted the, I assume it's unique to this franchise, but like, I apologize if not. They've adjusted the vampire mythology, so it's all done with fingernails. They all have it's sharp fingernails. All finger stuff. Yeah, so it's weird finger stuff. So they have sharp fingernails and they poke each other. Yeah, and that's how they don't have teeth. They don't have fangs. They, like, cut each other with their sharp, fancy fingernails. And biologically, what bothers me about that is sort of like, you know, dogs lick their butt. Okay. I'm not I'm not telling you anything you don't know. I'm not telling tales out of school. Dog, no dogs will get offended. They're going to be like, that's going to be the first thing they tell you about themselves. But the, nature has adjusted for that fact by their mouths are exceptionally clean so a dog's saliva is incredible where is this going (laughs) dog's mouth has cure a dog's saliva has curative properties it's it's very it's like yeah let's skip ahead to the so i'm saying it is this is why it's like this is why it's the thing that are gone in 60 seconds uh unicorn versus white whale discussion it is someone trying to improve upon a very deep-rooted kind of mythology without really thinking it through. So, even though the vampire mythology, the original vampire mythology, probably isn't thinking about this, it makes some sense in that our mouths, like, we bite stuff, and it's clearly an orifice, but there's something going on here where interactions can happen without getting people sick. You know, where it's like, it's easy to think that a vampire would bite you and it wouldn't get affected because something going on with their saliva. Yeah, they would have... Yeah. Whereas, like... Fingernails are just like touching ha- door but, handles, you know. Like oh, there's the... but but you're worried for the victim because it's like it's not an orifice for the vampire. But you're, yeah, you're worried for like they're gonna. Uh, I'm saying everyone's gonna get staph infections. <laughs> Forget about. <laughs> they're gonna give the victim that they're killing a staph infection. Yeah, they're all gonna get MRSA. <laughs> but all right, I guess I mean I guess our good vampires aren't necessarily killing people, but yeah. But they might be giving people MRSA. Like, I, I, that's not outside of the focus of the movie. But I'm just saying, it's like, it's like... They carry some, like, antibacterial uh, wipes in their pockets to, like... I'm not saying, I realize how I sound right now. Like I said, <laughs> I'm just surprised that that is your concern about the fingernails. But I just, Mine is, like, I... They just... Because uh, they do a lot of swipes. But it's also... It's, a, it, it's an erotic mythology. Them. It's like kissing... You know, it's like kissing has sort of a resonance to it. And there's seduction and stuff. Where it's like fingernails. It's just sort of like... It's like it someone making an absolute... And this is a movie that I like. <laughs> <laughs> making an absolute hash of something that already worked. Yeah. You know, where it's... For, so, no, for no apparent reason. Like, I, yeah. don't, I don't see what they gained from it. I just kept imagining... They kept... 
Uh, so also they they fight with their kitty cat claws. That's like mm-hmm. their main thing, I guess. So they kept like making these really big swipes at things, and I just I just kept imagining their fingernails getting ripped off. Yeah, that's, that's the other thing. I had a problem. I think it's just, it's just like um, here's the other thing too. Like I think there's a certain resonance to like. Us, I think it's, like, the vampire myth is very much about, like, male sexuality. About how, like, you know, it's a mythos for that. Like, um, but it also touches on, there's a lot of things about, like, us being uncomfortable being, um, carnivores. You know, it's about, so it's, like, very, it hooks into a primal thing. Which is scratching things with your nails is not a <laughs> pleasant thing to imagine. It's, like, the vampire myth, like, taps into a lot of people's anxieties about, like, why do I like biting into steak? You know, that that is weird. Um, <laughs> yeah, where it's like, it's less resonant when it's like, why do I like scratching doors? It's like, oh, yeah. I don't. I don't. <laughs> yeah. Sort of thing. It's like if the Terminator killed everyone with his butt, it's just like, <laughs> it's like. Seth. <laughs> no, I know. I agree. That's not as good. <laughs> it's, it's just like, of all the examples that you can pull <laughs> off the top of your head. That is exactly the one that you would do. Okay, how about the, it's like if the Terminator walked on his hands. We're sort of like, All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're you're sort like, of like, sure. why? That is that is scary. Yeah. So, anyways, the point is, so it's like some of the weird stuff the movie's doing, I really like. Um, oh, like they're the the freaks are all pretty creative and weird, and the, and they look great. Like it's it's shot really well. Um, again, the whole dance sequence with John C. Riley and the spider is really weird. Um, so yeah, I like that. that o- the opening show where everyone does their bits is kind of maybe the best part mm-hmm. of the whole movie. And like, the f- uh, Jane, Jane Krakowski just gets her arm ripped off. Yeah, and then she just regenerates. And then it. she regenerates. Yeah. It's like, that's awesome. Another beat I like too is when the kind of fish out of water comedy where John C. Riley is being this the savvy person initiating our protagonist yeah. into the world. That was that's kind always, of funny. That's always fun. I could have hung out there longer. Um, I could have used a beat of like, at the very beginning of, of John C. Riley like wishing he had a son to make any of this make sense. Because otherwise it's just like, some random nonsense kid who just broke into your dressing room and now you're like changing your entire life to fit around yeah. him. I think I do like that like Selma Hayek seems to be some sort of um uh a psychic who can who does not remember her own premonitions. Yeah. So I I do like that as a twist on the chosen one trope in that like she thinks that he's chosen or suspects that he's chosen, but it's like, get out of here. Yeah, like, she she senses, like, bad news mm-hmm. with him. And I also like the thing, the whole arc, because it's like, I think we're done with the plot. We can we can kind of reference... We'll something. get back to the end. Yeah, we can, we're talking, but it's like, basically you have all the moving parts. I do like the fact that, again, I like this as a YA thing. It's not that he's special, it's that he needs to accept the fact that he is as abnormal as everyone who that he would, he'd call a freak. But also, is he? Like, oh, it's half vampire. That's weird. Well, but I mean, that's not an intrinsic thing about him. That was something that happened to him halfway through the movie. You but, know, I, I see your thing. But I think like so uh, that wasn't something that our character innately needed to learn. Uh, I think all YA stories are puberty myths. It's got it happens to a midstream. Yeah, that's fair. Where it's like just a stand-in for that. Yeah, so it's like he's accepting. That he's not special, but that he's like everyone else. Everyone else who like feels bad about themselves or feels abnormal. Yeah, okay, I guess so. So I think it's a much healthier mythology in that sense. So I like that. Um, what else happens in this? What else? What, what else well, are... I mean, if you want to go through, I can do more plot beats. Sure, yeah. Uh, it's just like, so then, you know, our 
our main character is like hanging with the vampires and the freaks, uh, the freaks in this circus, mm-hmm. and they all they all live together, and they're. Um, happens to be a girl there who's roughly the same age as him and so even though they don't i think they have one conversation that is completely boring but like they're madly in love by the end of the movie um yeah she she very much feels like the whole energy in her first scene is like i'm stuck with being the love interest in this like i have no interest in being the love interest yeah Uh, yeah she was just like oh god you're here oh we're missing a it's not really an important plot beat but i like it is that um so we see um the uh our main guy struggle with being a vampire he kind of like tricks john c riley into saving his friend and then is just like i'm not actually gonna be your assistant and then it's just oh yeah he tries to like run off and just be regular go home and be regular but then he notices that he wants to murder his sister and drink her blood. So he it, it's get, that gets to a pitch. And then, so then they have to fake his death. Yeah. Well, and that's a good, again, another thing of like it being way too like rolled doll, way too morbid is John Z. Rouse like, hey, look over there. The moon looks nice and just snaps his neck. And then <laughs> just like has a whole funeral with his family there and stuff. Yeah. And, Which uh, that's something they never address also is like, is like. His family thinks that their son died. Yeah. And then, like, the you see the family later on in the movie, and they just seem fine. Yeah. Like, they're, they, they're not... They're just... And then they see him later on in the movie, and there's no, there's no, like, oh my god, my son is alive! I think there might be one shot of, um, of the maid from Clue, who plays his mom, uh, <laughs> doing, like, kind of a wide-eyed thing, but, like, uh, it's not... This movie does not have the emotional bandwidth to actually deal with what they've done to these parents. Yeah. It just, it just seems like untapped potential. Like, yeah. you could have had a moment there uh, that was nice. Yeah, so that gets him just living in this camp where he's just... And that's when he meets this this girl who um, he does not make a good impression on. Happens to be roughly the same age as him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that is like all the, that they have going for each other. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, like, to be fair, that's, yeah. like, 80% of the people get married. It's sort of like, we're I mean, in the same it, town. You were just, like, the only straight man in our department. <laughs> I was like, what? Whatever, yeah. Hey, I'll take it. I'll take I'll take the W. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, so love isn't real. <laughs> it is absolutely a symptom of proximity. And, uh, it can be both. <laughs> Um, so meanwhile, our our bad kid, the bad one, is now for some reason. I think I missed when this happened, but he's hanging with the bad vampires, which, as you'll remember, are called the Vampanese. Yikes! Um, so yeah, so they they play for keeps the Vampanese. Um, yeah, so they kill people, I guess. Yeah. I, uh, when they drink their blood. So these uh, vampires seem very down with having this fifteen-year-old boy just act out revenge fantasies on, like, his high school guidance counselor. Yeah, uh, right? Or whoever that guy is. He just had very guidance counselor energy, but, um, <laughs> I think he was, like, his teacher, but, um, so, yeah, he's running a mug. He, like, kidnaps the guy's parents, kidnaps... Yeah, yeah. kidnaps the guy's family, or, or kidnaps our, our, our good child's family and, uh, roughly the same age love interest. Yeah. Um, and then there's, like, a big showdown... The end? Yeah, so there's like a big boss fight, which is like, even in movies I love, I tend to gloss over. And this one, I was just sort of like, I was just being like... It's just kind of your standard... Yeah, for me, it was like the the boss fight here was like a brief cessation in the weirdness that I was enjoying. Like, uh, (laughs) 
So it was like, um, I think, I think the big dilemma is that, um, he is, our main guy is resisting drinking blood the entire time. And so his, his, um, uh, de facto girlfriend is one of the abductees. Um, and she also has a monkey tail. Yeah. Which doesn't come up much. Yeah. And it only comes up. For this one exact scene, because she's able to untie her ropes with it. Which is like, I was like, why didn't you do that like four and a half hours ago? Before and also, you... why didn't you untie... They, they, so that it's like, she unties her ropes and gets out, and then like a whole half an hour of fight scene go by, and then you see in background that the family is still hung up dangling by their ropes. <laughs> it's like, what has this girl been doing this yeah. whole time? Untie them! So she she offers him... He, he encourages her to drink... She encourages him to drink her blood. They encourage each other. Strength. <laughs> we. I was there. So someone, I don't know, she, I don't remember who. She's like, you need to be stronger. You should drink my blood. And he's like, no, 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 I can't drink human blood. That would make me not human. And she says, being human isn't what you are. It's who you are, which is one of those lines that is supposed to sound important, but yeah. does not mean anything. Yeah. It's like when someone says like, Peace is the answer and the question. You know, where you're just sort of like, oh, so you've said nothing? Like, uh, um, but yeah, so it is, uh, so he, he drinks her blood. And so that gives him briefly superpowers to fight his friend Steve. That's another uh, one follow is The bad guy is named Steve. Which <laughs> yeah, is you really. A little unintimidating. Have remembered that. I yeah. did not remember. Yeah. I remember there was a good kid and there was a bad kid. Yeah, so it's like they. I think the good kid's name is Dan. Dan, yeah. Dan and Which Steve. Which is also weird. We noticed the, the author who wrote, <laughs> he, to be fair, the author of these books wrote them under a pen name, but his name is like Dan Saren or something. Dan Shan? No. Dan. Da- sorry, Darren Shan. Darren Shan. So that's his pen name, but then the character in the books is also... Called Darren Shan. So it's... And the, the series is called The Saga of Darren Shan. By Darren Shan. By Darren Shan. Which, no, no, no shade on you, Darren Shan, pen name... That's not strictly protocol. You know, it's not like the Great Gatsby. It's an unusual thing to do. Yeah, it's not like the Great Gatsby by uh, Henry Gatsby by J by J <laughs> no by J knows he's Great Gatsby. <laughs> Thank you for remembering his first name. <laughs> um, also, I guess it'd be by that Nick guy. He's a kind of a weird. Uh, yeah, he's a what? What's it? A creep. A weird creepy creep. <laughs> I was just gonna say what's like the term for. Or, like, he's just a... Uh, peripheral narrator? Thank you. Thank you. First-person peripheral. Uh, Anyways, we have we have Darren and Steve. So there's both these nerds who are wasting everyone's time. Yeah. Uninteresting people. Yeah. Completely. Um, it's one of those boss fights where it's, like, our good kid is fighting, like, the big bad guy, and mm-hmm. then he's losing, and then so then John C. Riley comes in to fight the big bad guy on, on his behalf, and then I think he maybe... Maybe he doesn't die. He's doing he's doing badly anyway, and then it ends up with the two kids fighting each other. Yeah, and then there's kind of like a cessation of the of aggression, and it's kind of like here's another reason I have a soft spot for this movie. I love movies that so clearly thought that they were going to be franchises and they oh, just didn't get there. It's like, heartbreaking. Like I love Willow, and I think you can draw a clear line to Val Kilmer's performance in Willow <laughs> to John C. Riley's performance here, where it's sort of like. An actor who's just like, look, I just like to work, you know, <laughs> uh, and, and I'm going to have fun. Point a camera at me, do whatever. I'm going to have fun. <laughs> so I like that. Or it's, it's it makes it, um, and it's, this is kind of a, a looking glass moment. 
I'm realizing if this movie was wildly successful, I'd probably have a lot of problems with it. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I think it's easy to give this movie a longer leash because it did so badly. Yeah. Though, but honestly, I do agree with what I said earlier, where it's like, I like its view on being a teenager. I think it's it's a more accurate view and it's a messier view. It did. It felt more like an adult's viewpoint on looking back at being a teenager versus being inside of it. Yes. And a lot of the jokes were at the at the protagonist's expense, which I liked, which, cause it's sort of like, I think, um, it was an idea I was resistant to as a kid is that the being a teenager is ridiculous. Like, it's <laughs> like, you know, physiologically you're as much of an adult as your life would be, but you're still like a kid in a lot of ways. And so I think that's great. I think they handled a lot of those hero tropes in a way that was more authentic. And, and it's kind of like, here's the distinction I'll make. It's sort of like, I think like movies like Hunger Games, like movies and books like Hunger Games and Twilight and Harry Potter are like when a, an adult talks to a kid and is like, do you want eggy waggies for Bray Bray? <laughs> Where it's like, it's very much like pretending like their point of view is the only thing that exists. Whereas this movie is sort of like a divorced dad who's sort of like, <laughs> do you want to get seamless? I'm hungover. <laughs> Yeah, where it's kind of, you know, it's not... Yeah, if, even if, it, if... I would have loved them to lean into that more and have, have Jesse Riley be a little bit more like... Um, yeah. Kind of like uh, the old Spider-Man in Into the Spider-Verse. Yes! Oh, I would have liked that. I, I would have liked... I feel like that was my one complaint about... Because Riley was great the entire time, but he was kind of doing an elevated diction thing that didn't really speak to the... He's like a... As you know, uh, you know, it did not feel authentic to him. Where you're right, if he had been like um, Adam Johnson, is that that actor's name? In, into the Jake side of Johnson? Jake Johnson. Adam Johnson is the novelist. Uh, yeah, and short story writer. Everyone read Emporium. What is that collection called? Yeah, I think it's Emporium. That's a good collection. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Jake Johnson's Spider-Man is exactly what I would have liked here. Where it's sort of like, I'll, and I would have liked to hang on that beat the way that movie did. Where it's sort of like, um, that was great. So that that would have been charming. And it felt kind of like the the movie or or the book, probably both. Uh, just wasn't wasn't sure of those roles itself. Mm-hmm. Like everyone was a little bit like in between, like kind of trying to be this, but also kind of trying to be this, and like didn't really. Like congeal, acknowledging all this movie's faults. I have a soft spot for it. It was trying to be fun and creative. It was trying to be funny. It was trying to, I think, say something more authentic about being a teenager than all of this sort of like bland, just running teenagers through heroes' journey and and making people feel self important. It might just be uh, that I'm getting older, but uh, I would have. Much preferred this movie if it was from John C. Riley and Salma Hayek's point of view, and then the kids were just like kind of minor characters that mm-hmm. had come into their lives annoyingly. To be fair, I th- I think that's absolutely true. And like the the one scene that John C. Riley and Salma Hayek, or the I think they get like two scenes together. The one meteor scene they get together is um, one of the best parts of the movie, um, of them kind of uh, her being annoyed at them. Like I would have liked it more from their point of view. Um, but yeah, it was, and it looked, I think it looked great. I think it looked good. It looked kind of like if you, if Harry Potter was directed by Lars Berman, what's the, what's the Moulin Rouge guy's name? Oh, I don't know. 
Lars Berman. <laughs> I have no look idea. Look it up. Look <laughs> Wait, one sec. Look it up until I look find it. Look it up. <laughs> Bars Lerman. Bars, that sounds... It's either Bars Lerman or Lars Berman. <laughs> no, the second one sounds like... Or the... Bars Lerman sounds like a, a name I've heard before. That's... Bars Lerman. Bars Lerman. So yeah, it was like... It had a very, like, Harry Potter meets Moulin Rouge-y. Yeah. Aesthetic. Yeah. It did... I did have a thought during watching the movie of like, oh, I guess Harry Potter is hard to write. Because... <laughs> <laughs> did not get there <laughs> yeah so but i think i think harry potter is more satisfying because it's more flattering to the protagonist i think I this mean, is less flattering to the protagonist that's true so and i like, think it's a higher i also, think also the protagonist is the worst part of harry potter yeah absolutely like, it, but it, i feel like this movie thought it was flattering to the protagonist it just didn't do a good job of it yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know no that's fair but it's sort of like hey i i, I think even if they were trying to be like this person is a hero, inadvertently, I think they pa- they painted a better portrait of what it is to be a teenager than any other YA property I've ever engaged in seriously, which is <laughs> next to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is he's seen the movies of Harry Potter. Yeah, <laughs> that is it. Yeah, and hey, no, the, I mean those kids are amazing. <laughs> but yeah, so no, but so what would you change about this movie to make it better? Well, yeah, I mean. Maybe swap the whole thing so it's from John C. Rowling, so I'm going to point of view. I think seem, that's a great... They seem to be more interesting developed characters. Like yeah. Our main, char- our main characters are just like some random kids that nobody cares about that mm-hmm. have nothing going for them. And I think that's maybe my, my thing of like why I'm not interested in YA is it kind of organizes the whole story around the least interesting person. I mean, to be fair, all stories do that. <laughs> yeah, but all, yeah, all adventure stories tend to do that where it's like they... they Organize the stories around the uninitiated. Where I think you're absolutely right. Like, and for, I just mean like the protagonist thing. Of, yeah. Like, a lot of people think that their main characters are just good because they're the main character, and they forget to make them interesting or compelling. Yeah. Where it's like I think for us as an adult, it's it's or uh, as adults. <laughs> we no, we're, we're, yeah. Well, to be fair. Yeah. We're like one <laughs> with our skills. Two of us together. With make skills, one yeah. grown up. Yeah, absolutely. With our skills and uh, capabilities and our codependence, we make one human. <laughs> <laughs> we have one trench coat for when we go to the bank. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, yeah, I think that is. Uh, we're drawn to that. It's like we want the person who's been engaged with the world, has made mistakes has abilities like John C. Riley is at the height of his abilities. You get the sense that he is just before his August years. You know, he is um and that's more interesting to me now at this point in my life. So I think I agree with that note. Yeah. That I would that would I would like that movie. I think it would be a different movie. But Oh, completely different. Yeah. And it's I mean and that's the whole thing about why is like obviously you're more interested in seeing main characters who are roughly at your stage of life. So it makes yeah. sense that, like, if you're marketing a movie to teenagers, you want to put a teenager in the main role. I think, I, I guess my big note would be, I think also just, like, pure, like, I think in terms of, like, weirdness, this movie's uh, doing great. It was weird and fun, but in terms of story, I just think it fell down a lot. Like, I think my big problem with this kid is sort of, like, he was not his personality was not set up in a way his character was not set up in a way where being a half vampire was a unique problem for him yeah that seemed to almost never come up yeah where it's like i would have liked it if he i don't know had had some specific hang up yeah his hang up was that 
he was a good kid and he did what his parents told him to. Mm-hmm. So it's Which like, also didn't really seem to get resolved. Yeah, like so I need like an, a classic like 80s, like I'm not asking for like Remains of the Day. I'm asking for like a classic like 80s movie arc where it's sort of like, he never overcame the, like his arc was never about overcoming what was established in the first act, which is that his parents' expectations were completely out of whack with what he felt. Yeah. You know, so it's sort of like, being a vampire didn't didn't set him free from any of that. It didn't challenge any inner problems he had. And, like, I feel like I could have dropped this half-vampire problem on literally any teenager and they would have had the same qualms <laughs> that he did. Yeah. So it's it's just, like, again, the problem with YA stuff is, like, it has to be generic enough for half a million kids to project themselves into it. Um, so that's how it fell down. But, like, the, the parts where this movie couldn't help being weird I thought was really fun. Um, and I thought yeah. that... I did like the twist on, like, the protagonist where the kid sucked and, like, the vampire <laughs> hated him. Like, you know... Uh, I don't know if... I think... Like, I don't know if they were trying to do that. <laughs> I don't... I don't think... No, I think John C. Riley made making the movie... Thought, I mean, I think John C. Riley was, was very that, very put out with, with the I kid. Mean, I think yeah. it was part of his character that he, was, he had to be annoyed by this kid. But I think the kid was supposed to be, like... Uh, like a golden boy hero kid mm-hmm. that everybody loved. He just did suck. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. But yeah, so but I still I still think it's a better portrait of being a teenager than a lot of a lot of movies. That's fair. Yeah. Well, yeah. So uh, final thoughts. Any? Where were you at when this movie came out? This movie came out. When did it come out? I was just real. So I had I heard of this movie very recently because just because you've been talking about it doing it for the podcast so i assumed it came out like last year and it was just now being available and I was like, I'm, I'm guessing 2011 when did it come out october 2009 whoa that's weird Which yeah it's like i had never heard of this movie before. so we were still getting used to uh obama yeah obama was president oh thank god remember, uh, remember the days you guys oh, like gold in my hand we, if I could go back know, there we didn't know what we had yeah it actually came out it came out um i think october 23rd is that right? October 23rd. That's smart. They're going for like the Halloween That is smart. thing. Um, which is the week that I moved to New York. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So I just... So you did not catch the vampire's assistant <laughs> when that was going. No, I was... I guess I had other things going on. And, and then also, once you're in New York, you don't see movies because it's too expensive to go to the theater. Oh, absolutely. I remember like... You don't have commercial uh, commercials anymore because you don't have TVs. Yeah. That, I, that was the weirdest thing about moving to New York for the first time, which sort of like... When I was in the Midwest, I was on my computer or watching television constantly. So it's like I knew what movies were coming out. I watched the news constantly. And, like, when I moved to New York in 2011, it was like looking at the front page of newspapers at in bodegas. Yeah, it was like... How I knew something was going on. How I knew movies were coming out was there was a billboard between my walk from where I lived to my to to my office. There was yeah. like a billboard. And that's how I, how I heard about new movies coming out. And I would be like... Well, this is a nothing movie. I've never heard of it before. And then no, it would be yeah. like, that would be the biggest movie that summer. There's a weird effect, too, where it's like, when you see a giant building-sized uh, billboard for a movie that you haven't seen a trailer of, it makes you feel like you're it, you're in a movie where it's a satire. Yeah, where like... It's like it's, where they're being like, this is the type of movie that would come out. Yeah, it's like this, this style of fake movie that's obviously yeah. not a real movie. And you're like, oh, that's not a real movie. Going back to like Into the Spider-Verse, like in the background, you can see when they're in Times Square in the alternate reality, there's just a movie where like Seth Rogen is on a horse as like a jockey or whatever, <laughs> yeah. where he's sort of like, that's exactly what it feels like that's to live in New York. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe it's different 
because like that was what it felt like a lot because I moved to New York without a smartphone. That's true. This was pre-smartphones. And also, like, by the end of it, we had Hulu with commercials. And so you get kind of mm-hmm. more regular TV commercials from that. Yeah. But this was, like, back when I was, like, didn't have a TV or anything. We, and we're not saying that, like, you know, like, 90s coffee shop. Like, we don't have a TV. <laughs> it's sort of like, you know, we were just living in, like, hamster cages. Like, it, you know, it was not, yeah. Yeah, we just didn't own any things yet. Yeah. So that is a great, that Yeah. So that was a weird, yeah, so that's a weird time for us personally for this. Well, but where were you in October of 2009? 2009, I think, um... <laughs> it was, that's, I, uh, I was living in a women's hotel in Midtown. Nice. I think I was basically homeless in Toledo, Ohio. <laughs> and I was finishing my short story, collect, my independent short story collection that I was sure was going to be a big hit. <laughs> Uh, that was going to get me out of this sleeping on people's couches situation. And it did, I to mean, be fair. Eventually. But, um, <laughs> so yeah, I was in Toledo, Ohio, uh, living next to the destroyed ruins of Southwick Mall. Uh, where it was like, literally, like, they demolish it, and like, because it's Toledo. Like, they have demolished it, and they just left it like that for like a year. <laughs> so it was like... So it's still like walls and stuff up? It was just like, imagine a whole mall that was smashed in half. <laughs> Oh. And it was like, and I, that was like the only thing, like there was a kind of like a circle around, because they designed this whole, the area where I was living around this mall that was like a dead tube. So it was a whole residential area built around this thing yeah. that no longer exists. So it was like, I just felt like I was in the movie like District 9. Like it was, <laughs> uh, you know, just like walking around this dead mall, writing a, a book called The Great Frustration, oh. uh, which is like, that seems like a million years ago. So no, I didn't see the vampire's assistant. <laughs> I didn't. I just used the last ten dollars I had to, to go see this movie. But I would have if I had the option. I think. I think it would have been a fun, a diverting afternoon. Um, so yeah. So that was two thousand nine. Yeah. I don't think we can pin that all on Obama, but uh, <laughs> that was great. Come back. Uh, but yeah. So are you, are you glad that we did this? This is a weird one. This is the first this one of this one. podcast that I haven't seen before. Oh, good. I like that. That's that's a fun move. I feel like normally we do more big blockbustery action movies, which, to be fair, I don't... It was trying to do that. Don't like those also. Yeah. So, Maybe like, we should mix it up. I kind of... What, what kind of movie do you want to do for next one? I don't know. But I just I was just saying that I kind of like that it... Like, with, with big blockbuster action movies, you're sort of restricted in, in ways. Like, it sort of has to... The plot has to proceed in certain ways yeah, no, for you're right. it to yeah. be successful. Um, so it was nice to, to see one that was just like, I don't know where this is going. This yeah. is very off the wall. No, I think that was, it felt almost freeing to be like, it was like watching a go-kart like spin out and then straighten out and then spin out and then do a flip and then go, <laughs> yeah. go up like a ramp that was too steep and like, you know, where it was like, not how I would tell someone to drive, <laughs> but it was engaging to watch. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, I would definitely, I would watch another one if, yeah. there, if there was a sequel. You heard, you, I mean, I you heard of your first Hollywood. I wouldn't pay money for it. <laughs> okay, that's kind of what they're interested in. I think that's like, you know, I get the, I get the feeling from these Hollywood types. <laughs> if you, if, if you They're guys, almost in it for the money. 
if you guys wanted to spend like 40 million dollars on another movie and then just give it away for free i would be cool with that with everything that's going on in the world how funny would it be if i did like a kickstarter to do like the vampire assistant too <laughs> like, the least important thing <laughs> happening in the entire how much, world uh, knowing that trump's administration is dysfunctional says how much money how much stimulus money do we divert <laughs> into our vampire's assistant to uh project anyway well we'll look into it this is not on you listeners we're gonna google this <laughs> anyway i think julia has to pee should we <laughs> do that yeah. okay cool. well uh, i was trying to keep that a secret Seth. okay i'm sorry well uh thank you so much and uh th- this has been running out of movies and as always i love you guys mm-hmm.